Hey, Jessica, how's it going? Pretty good, Charlie. How about yourself? I'm very excited to put out our very first episode of our podcast, Cinematic Respect. Woohoo! Uh, I can tell you're very excited based very. on that woohoo. <laughs> Never been this excited. <laughs> so we've been friends for a long time. Quite a while. And I feel like there's a natural progression to every friendship. You start <laughs> out, you meet the person, you find out that they have similar interests like movies, like us. Absolutely. You know, you go out, have some beers. And eventually you get to the point where you've got to start a podcast together. You just have to. There's just another no choice. I think that's that's where we're at. There was nowhere else to go. Sometimes you have to take a step back <laughs> afterward. You don't want to go too far with it, but I'm glad you were you were willing to accept Why, this thank challenge. You. I'm so uh, so honored. <laughs> uh, one thing I guess we should get out of the way up front is what's the reasoning for us doing this show? Besides just being awesome friends. Um, so everyone's been in the situation where you're at a party or you get together with friends and you make some sort of awesome movie reference that everybody should be laughing at. And for some reason, somebody's not laughing. Exactly. You just find yourself being like, oh, I believe you have my stapler and nothing. The person just looks at you blankly. And you're like, office space? No. Right. And not only do they not remember the reference, but they've never seen the movie. Just what are you doing with your life? Where are your priorities? It's ridiculous. It makes you want to walk out, never talk to that person again. Dead to me. I've done that a couple of times, but then I thought about it. Maybe this isn't the best option. It takes a very simple person to identify a problem, but it takes a very great person to try to solve that problem. <laughs> so that's what the point of this show is. Exactly. And rather than forsaking our friends, we're bringing them into the fold. Exactly. First, we admonish them. Yes. And mock them. That's not important. knowing, not knowing a specific <laughs> film, but then, but then we help them resolve the problem right. by walking them in, watch the movie, we talk about it, and they're, they're they, you know, they run along fixed, better in the world. So not only are we showing respect for these fantastic movies that we've been a part of our life for so long, but our friends are gaining our respect at the same time. So exactly. we hope that you, listener, will also attempt to gain our respect by. <laughs> <laughs> listening to our show and watching these movies if you haven't, if really you're a horrible is, person. Really is the greatest thing you can achieve in your in your lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy the show. Our executive producer, Adam Gobeski, has suggested we watch the movie Shoah, the nine and a half hour Holocaust documentary for our first episode. Uh, we won't be watching that. We'll be watching War Games with our good friend Adam. No relation. And welcome to the very first episode of Cinematic Respect, the show where we force our friends to watch movies that we know are really good and make them better human beings. My name is uh, Charlie Wallace. I'm your first co-host. My name is Jessica Clares. I'm your other better co-host. Oh, there's some controversy right off the bat. We didn't get very far in this, did we? Nope. <laughs> so, Jessica, all of us here are big fans of board games, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Uh, I've got a lot of favorites myself. I'm a big fan of chess. You like chess? How about a nice game of chess? <laughs> yes. I would love a nice game of chess. How about checkers? I'm a big fan of checkers as well. Sure. Checkers is great. Sometimes I will play tic-tac-toe, but you know what my absolute favorite game is? <laughs> I have a guess. <laughs> it's theater-wide biotoxic and chemical warfare. <laughs> have you ever played that one? <laughs> you know, I haven't. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it this weekend. <laughs> Doesn't really sound like a game, does it? No, not so much. If someone suggested that you play this game, would you agree to play this game? <laughs> I think I'd pass. 
<laughs> Me because, too. Because I'd be too busy playing global thermonuclear war. <laughs> <laughs> Which does sound a little bit more fun than the one I just mentioned, but... So, yeah, this this week the movie that we're watching is War Games with our good friend Adam. Adam had never seen this movie before. How did you feel with your first experience with this movie? I wish I could go back and actually watch it for the first time. You know, I, I enjoyed it. Contrary to the intro, I don't know that it made me a better person. <laughs> um, also joining us, because we are doing a, a double feature, a double yeah, feature double today. Yeah, yes, well, double header. I guess double feature makes more sense for a movie I thought podcast. I thought it was good. You know, fine. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to so, improve upon perfect. So we're doing a double feature today. And so also joining us is uh, Adam's lovely, lovely girlfriend, Allie. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Was this also your first time watching this movie? Uh, I believe I may have seen it when I was a young teenager and, of course, remember next to nothing about it. Oh, but that still makes you a better person than him, at least until you watch this, right? I think that's sure. how it works. That's that's our <laughs> that, conceit for that, the whole thing. That is so. what our title It was more implies. of a rhetorical question, I guess. There was a I small guess. period in my teens where I tried to catch up on great movies, and uh, this might have been one that got thrown into the mix, but... My memory doesn't serve me too well, so. I, I would also like to, in my defense, comment on the fact <laughs> that I grew up in a small town. And we had a very limited selection of videos for rent it, at the video store, as they all, called all it. All I hear is just disappointing priorities. I, I probably should have driven, you know, an hour away to the nearest you know, comprehensive video rental facility (laughs) (laughs) and uh, found a way to watch war games, but I did not. One of the problems with the way that we've set up this podcast is that I would really like to berate people when they come on, but we can't too much because they've already watched the movie. So like, you don't need to apologize. You've already fixed the problem, Adam, and we love you. So, welcome to the podcast. I'm, I'm not apologizing. <laughs> I mean, myself. There's, there's I hear a big great big apology, and your apology is accepted, sir. Thank you. For those listening out there, <laughs> Charles has edited this. <laughs> I'm here under duress. <laughs> My leg is chained to the chair. <laughs> All right, so for a synopsis here, we're watching War Games from, uh, came out in 1983. And basically, it's a story of a high school kid uh, played by Matthew Broderick who's very much into computer games, uh, probably more into it than other people for that time period. And uh, in an effort to get his hands on some new computer games from a company, he tries to hack into it and inadvertently hacks into NORAD, the U.S. Missile Defense System, instead. And so while he thinks he's playing a game with a computer, he actually ends up fooling the system into thinking that we're uh, engaging in global thermal nuclear war with the Soviets. So obviously crazy hijinks ensue. This is the first big movie, big roles for both Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy, obvious beloved stars from other, many other 1980s films. I think the whole AI aspect of it too was kind of surprising, especially for the time. So not only like the internet, right, or being able to call in via phone to another computer, but computer that thinks for itself and can make its own decisions that are somehow, well, supposedly better than a human. The way they described artificial intelligence and the way it actually develops isn't too far off from what, you know, the the current state of the art is. You know, what the the fact that the Whopper was using an algorithm uh, to, like, try all these different possibilities, it's essentially machine learning, which is basically, you know, one of the, you know, current methods of uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think they did a really good job of all of that, too, and finding good ways to explain to the audience, even somebody who isn't technically oriented, 
like how all this stuff is working and how it's important to the plot. Like Matthew Broderick did that a couple of times where he's explaining to Ali Sheedy, which makes me kind of wonder, actually. I thought about it from start to finish. Like, what was the point of having Ali Sheedy in the movie? Her character, like, what is it, what is it that she does that, like, changes how the plot's going? Well, how would you get them gotten back from Denver? Yeah, I suppose, but I thought about that. Couldn't they just make everything really close together so that there's no travel issues? Maybe this is how they got women to go see the movie. <laughs> was this, this was before The Breakfast Club. It right? was, yes, yes, I believe so. so. Yeah, that's, that's the other big one I knew Ali Sheedy from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she just kind of comes in as this woman who is just really into Matthew Broderick. And that seems to be, I mean, she's fun. Mm-hmm. She's interesting. She's a little quirky. I suppose it, it could, I, I'm thinking back now to, to kind of what it is. Because at first, you know, he's he's trying to impress her by, you know, being like, oh, I can change your grade. Um, and then, yeah, after that, like you said, he still, he's, if, even if he didn't have her, he still would have tried to hack into the computer to get right. games. Mm-hmm. He still would have accidentally hacked into a military computer. Right, yep. And he still would have freaked out when he found out on the news that it happened and, like, disconnected everything. So I don't, yeah, I don't really yeah. know. I shouldn't be going back to 1983 necessarily and saying there should have been a stronger female role for her to have. I mean, maybe I should, right? It's just like, she's there. She likes Matthew Broderick. She gives him a ride some places and just kind of hangs out. She did drive the motorbike. I mean, Oh, she can do that. She can do that. Besides uh, her and the one receptionist that was getting harassed by the prison, the guard in the one scene. Mm -hmm. Right. Were there any other female There characters? was the one or one woman who, she worked at NORAD. She, she was, was like the she assistant? Was, she was the lead scientist. The lead scientist, Scientist yeah. secretary or assistant. The only reason I thought assistant was because there's a scene where Dabney Coleman takes out his gum yep. and sticks it in her hand. And she puts it in her mouth. Oh, that's she right. She kind of shrugs and pops in her mouth, which hmm. in my living room I did say, ew. <laughs> um, but I also want to point out his mother, um, Matthew Broderick's character's mother, because I remember when Ali Shee first comes over to his house and he's like, oh, we have to go, you know, my bedroom's upstairs. And she goes, oh, your parents aren't, aren't home? And he says, no, they both work. And this was like clearly unique. Oh, they yeah. They both work. Yeah. And then whenever they did show his parents, they were very self-involved. They were very much thinking about their own lives. His mom was on the phone. Clearly she does real estate. And his dad was, you know, yeah. off in his own mind or whatever. They were oblivious to anything going on with their son. Uh, was I the only person who wanted to see a movie that just featured his dad? <laughs> I loved like the two scenes that his dad was in. They just like. I enjoyed the slice of bread packed with butter. I didn't, I didn't order, remember that. In order to butter. It was so bizarre. The corn on the cob. I've never seen anybody do that before. And then I like that he was really upset that it wasn't cooked. It's like a great comedic, like it sets sets apart certain movies, I think, where when they're just doing exposition, they'll just throw something stupid like that in the background. He uses the butt of the corn on the cob and then he bites on the corn on the cob and it's raw. He's very upset about (laughs) it. So there's this whole thing going on between him and his wife. Well, and they was, don't pay attention at all to what Matthew Broderick's doing. I was wondering, too, if the corn on the cob not being cooked was a commentary on her, like, she's working. She doesn't have time to cook your damn corn on the cob. Oh, so it could be. If yeah. you don't want it raw, then you're going to have to cook that yourself. But it was, like, vitamins, right? Yeah, was vitamin, that you just taste the vitamin A. But that could have just been an excuse, like, it's vitamins, dear. Seriously. <laughs> and also, I don't have time to cook you. Because in this day and age, we all know how good corn is <clears throat> for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's true. Well, it's bad because we cook it all the time, right? <laughs> That's what it is. I feel like it would have been pretty obvious if it was raw once he was rolling it in the butter. Yeah, I mean, it, it, sh- it shouldn't have, have shouldn't have melted. It would melt, yeah. But 
Well, maybe that's why he used the bread. <laughs> the bread melted it. Yeah. Maybe he didn't catch on. Like, why is this butter not melting? Well, like... <laughs> I'm intrigued, though. Like, melting butter onto a piece of bread with a cup of corn. Like, right? This is a whole other movie. pretty good. This is right? something I want to... Yeah. I, I feel like this should have... This subplot should have been uh, <laughs> more fleshed out. <laughs> Well, it's happening. It's happening somewhere in the background. We just don't understand what you see it is. The, you see the general doing it later. <laughs> <laughs> when they're at DEFCON 1. <laughs> I guess maybe it functions just so we know that his parents care about him, but that they don't really need to take part in the plot at all. Like, they're well, so they're, oblivious. They're, they're focused on very small, mundane, everyday mm-hmm. things. Right. Which I guess, yeah, that's a good contrast, too, with what he ends up <laughs> Having to do. Yeah. But then also, and then he, Ali Sheedy comes into the house and he greets her. And then he asks, I don't remember what the word is. Some I don't remember what absolute the... nonsense word and says, wait, He, what is he it? asks what it means and she says she has no idea. And he's trying to do a crossword puzzle. Yeah, I he's think. trying to do a crossword puzzle. Like, I don't even know that he actually makes eye contact with her. He's just staring at his puzzle and is like, oh, you know, he's upstairs. <laughs> and I love that that's pretty much the last time you see his parents. It like, is. after that, he's picked up by the FBI. He's carted off to Denver, which that's a pretty good distance. Yeah. Um, so carted off to Denver, you know, locked up with no lawyer or adults present because it's implied he's under the age of 18, uh, escapes, mm-hmm. gets back to Oregon, doesn't go home, you know, kidnaps scientists and they go back to Denver and, <laughs> and his parents are just cool with it. As far as I can tell. I mean, no one's clamoring looking for him. <laughs> Maybe it's just to show that his parents are very distracted. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. In general. Yeah. yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like. They don't alert the authorities to the fact that he's disappeared and, you know. Well, they're very concerned about the dog getting into the garbage cans, so. Oh, yeah, there was that, too. I forgot. Chock full of scenes with the parents for about <laughs> five minutes. Total. <laughs> they were gone. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the beginning of the movie. The whole premise of the plot is that human beings are not good keepers of nuclear codes or keys because... At the very beginning, we see a secure facility where two people, I don't know what you'd call them. Military like, personnel. Two military personnel are supposed to launch uh, nuclear weapons, but they don't know it's a test. And I guess that happened nationwide, and 20% of the people decided not to turn the key when they were supposed to. I also like that you end with the cliffhanger of the two military personnel. One of them is completely committed to launching the missile. The other one is 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 questioning. And the one that's completely confident now has a gun trained on his partner, who is unwilling to turn the key. Like, and that's where it pulls away. And you're like, oh, guys, just kidding. It was a training exercise. You can put that weapon away now. <laughs> um, seriously, this one guy almost got shot in the head. But it was just a training exercise, so don't worry. The, the, but, but why? Like, okay, I shot him. But now you can no, turn there's the nobody. Key. Oh, you turned their key, too? I think so. I thought it was like a... You have to do it simultaneously. Simultaneous key turning. Maybe they get, didn't, like, they a didn't big, state that. A big, like, grabber or something and grab from across the room. Yes, they, they have a big grabber. Brooms. <laughs> They're probably not allowed to have those for just that reason. I'm thinking thinking that defeats the purpose of the simultaneous (laughs) key turning then. No no brooms in the war room. (laughs) Actually, there was a sign outside of the facility that said, anyone urinating in this area will be discharged. That was actually the first moment where I had to stop the movie, rewind it, and then, of course, with the digital streaming, of course, it rewound it way too far, and then way too forward, and way too back, and we had to actually pause it and read that sign. It was really bizarre. It was really bizarre. Because, like, it's, it starts out pretty straight, like, serious movie for that intro. I mean, there's 
them just talking about their day or whatever and being in a nuclear facility is a little bit humorous. So we got to build, I guess, a little bit of humor before that happens. But I thought it was a great intro. Like, it mm-hmm. kind of... It set the, the tone. Yes. It set like the tone. Like, why you might actually want to do yeah. to do what they plan on mm-hmm. doing. Actually, they the military doesn't allow you to use the restroom if you're one of the people on the key. So oh, really? Yeah, so you can't leave the vault. No, I oh. just made that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> you said it was such authority. I was like, oh, all right. I came up with that to sleep at night after watching the movie because it, it felt good. <laughs> so after after the scene mm-hmm. where clearly you know twenty some percent of the people don't don't launch the missiles, um, and you're in this room and and you know that two guys have shown up allegedly from somewhere in the government. They are not senators. Or congressmen, because they were all relieved that there weren't senators or congressmen with them. Oh, yeah? And they come in there, and they're, you know, they're laying down the law. They have supposedly have some link to the president. I don't know if they're advisors or, or what. You do not have the Joint Chiefs present. We don't need them. <laughs> um, so you have this one general who, who might be on the, like, a member. Yeah, whatever, yeah. The Joint Chiefs know, yeah. or whatever. But, you know, we have the meeting. And you, you, this is where I liked the, the automatic juxtaposition we have between, like, science, technology people and the military. Where the military is like, you know... My solution is let's do better psychological like profiling mm-hmm. of the people we have on the button. And you have like the science IT guy being like, no, no, no. <laughs> Clearly, we need to automate all of this. And in 1983, we have the goods to make sure that nothing will go wrong. <laughs> Our technology is so advanced. We have five and a quarter inch floppy disks now. <laughs> we can play Oregon Trail. And, and we are going to just eliminate humans between the present saying it's mm-hmm. go time and... Missiles being launched. <laughs> I think that what they ultimately did is just have way more nukes than you could possibly ever need. Mm-hmm. And then if 20% don't fire, well, you probably yeah, no could kidding. Still What's the, the big deal about 20% over? not firing? I think the simulations, if anything, show that well, I, and I loved, doesn't make a whole hell of a lot I of difference. I loved the screens, and I loved how big they were, and I loved how bright it was, and the flickering against the faces, and it made it all intense. Boom, 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 boom. The little, <laughs> like, white circles showing up, eliminating whole cities, you know, big chunks of, this, of the country. They did a good job with the graphics and it stuff, It seemed too. pretty yeah. impractical, though, like, because the white dots stayed after the nukes went off. Like, <laughs> you could just have, like, a smaller indicator next to the nukes. What city is that? I don't know. The white dot's covering it. I can't remember. <laughs> it's somewhere in Arizona. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's gone now. It's gone. <laughs> it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's off the face of the earth. Yeah, I, I thought I thought the the back and forth was good between the military and science. It sets up it sets up a tone, so you kind of know who's going to be at each other's throats, right? You know, right. as as the temperature gets turned up as you as you go through. So another thing I noticed near the beginning is there's this gigantic. So they're at the Norad facility, and there's just a gigantic door, like it's huge. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we mentioned this yet, but we're medical we're medical physicists. Check. So we're used to gigantic doors. We are <laughs> to some extent. All. I could think of the whole time was like somebody is going to get crushed in that door because they were closing the door and people were coming in and out. And at the very last second, you see someone just like squeeze past the door, like turn sideways and squeeze through this like five, six foot thick door. Yeah, it would, it would have been tons, yeah. tons and tons. It would have been tens of thousands of pounds, this door. Yes. They're very nonchalant about it there. I thought it was really interesting that it was a, this is extra nerdy, but that it was a, a hinge swing door. Because okay. I was trying to figure out what in the world was powering that to be able to just <laughs> swing the, this giant, I mean, presumably all metal. Yeah. Presumably oh, yeah. all metal door. I mean, you saw the piston slide into it, I mean, you know, the, and all, and all I guess four the, sides there. The idea here is that it's going to 
protect everybody from yeah. nuclear fallout or something yeah. like that, I guess that, I, was, right? I was thinking, you know, like sliding would maybe be easier than pivoting <laughs> this, giant, this giant arm. But that's, that's getting a little too far into what I do for a living. I also found it interesting that after they got Falcon and were coming back to the facility to uh, deal with the uh, impending launches, they just, like somehow found somebody with a jeep that drove them through the gate and yeah. then they ran up to the door and they were able to dart right in and nobody said a word i looked hard through the continuity errors and imdb to figure out what went on there and i wasn't able to find it so at least nobody's posted on imdb but car noticed it i noticed it and apparently now everybody's uh, yeah. noticed i didn't it. It's I, I was trying to figure out who the guy in the jeep was who was driving them because he was very willing to help them mm-hmm. and then you had the lead um scientist guy there his secretary yeah. i'm saying secretary only because it was the 80s and that was how she was treated because well, she you took know, his gum he, i think that, that equals gum. secretary yeah and or the secretary like, being like, they're with me, they're clear, you know, let them in. So mm-hmm. they were able to get through the door right as it was about to yeah. close, which was critically important. Um, would have been really great if Matthew Broderick was just squashed in the door and, you know, yep, then we launched the end. and it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, so there was some, you know, okay, yeah, no, come on in. And then they walk in and immediately, you know, taken seriously. I, I love that you have, you know, Falcon, this kind of crazy wild-eyed scientist who just hours earlier was advocating that the human species should be wiped out um, because that's how nature is going, going to fix right. us. Fix, you know, we'll, we'll be a better race next time. Yeah. Um, so well. you, you have him come in and go, General, you know, think this through. Does this make sense? You know, General, have faith in, uh, in what I'm just saying here. Don't, don't trust what's in front of you. <laughs> just, just hear me out. Let all of these, you know, nukes that are supposedly coming in from the Soviet Union, just let them hit all the cities and you'll see it's okay. And he, he was okay. And he just stands down. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems weird, but that's the kind of the, that's kind of established like in the first yeah. scene even, right? Yeah. With it, maybe in this situation, we need people who are just willing to go against what they're told to do. He was the one who was advocating for it to begin with. He is like a big buff military guy that you wouldn't expect to like well, to he, stand and, down. And he chews. So it's a little bit against In NORAD. It. He does. I don't know where he's spitting it. <laughs> he but... just swallows. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> People refusing to fire off a nuke at the last second. Like, there's... That's actually happened in, in history. And that's, you know, prevented World War Three. People, like, thinking this, this order doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to hold off on doing it. And we've, you know, been within minutes of a legit nuclear launch that was based on fake information. Mm-hmm. Oh, crazy. So it's, yeah. uh, I, I just, I guess I think I found, what I found interesting about it is that it wasn't coming from any of the people who had been inside that room right. for the hours leading up to it, that you have this scientist that no one has really seen or heard from in, in a while, you know, so in the neighborhood of a decade. You know, they, they have him on file as being dead, and he shows up and is like, hey, let's think about this, and everybody stops. <laughs> I think that's what I found surprising. Yeah. This is a little off topic, but... So it's pretty cool that Falcon had, like, his own f- private island. And he was working as, like, a scientist for the the government, right? Right, yeah. But somehow he has a helicopter. What yeah. Are, there is that... Were helicopters that cheap in the 80s? Because I feel like I really missed out. <laughs> well, he's like, a flight enthusiast. You didn't take a helicopter to school? <sighs> you did say you were in a small town. I'm that's sorry. Awesome. My bad. There were no helipads. He had the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> It was right next to the video store in the neighboring neighboring town <laughs> exactly. where he could have rented war games and chose not to. Um, 
No, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it seemed kind of odd. I, I wasn't entirely clear on whether or not he was a scientist working for the military at the time when he and McKittridge or whatever his name was were doing their research at the beginning. Because uh, there's a point at which McKittridge says um, he never realized the practical applications of his work. So I almost get the impression that after he bowed out, after his family passed away and, you know, he kind of gave up on everything, that he went off and McKittridge took this research and was like, hey, sweet, here, um, military contract, anybody? Let's let's use this thing. Kind of seems a reasonable way for that to have happened. And Falcon, too, I guess maybe he's just independently wealthy. True. Or, yeah, he made a bunch of money off of the patents for whatever he did. Like, maybe it was a game or, or like, he could have sold, a game platform you know, or game something. Game platforms, but, um, yeah, machine learning. Uh, I. But we're or, trying to make excuses for the movie right or, now. That's what we're doing. Or it Things could have been those sweet remote-controlled pterodactyls. Oh yeah. Because I think children around the world wanted one of those. Yes. So we know we know he's interested in flight. That's what that establishes, right? Exactly. It also adds that things. eccentric scientist vibe because oh, you go true. into his house and you see all of this <laughs> geological <laughs> stuff. Yeah, just bizarre. Yeah. I do have one clip of him. I don't remember what it was, though. So we'll have to just listen and then discuss. Once upon a time, there lived a magnificent race of animals. Dominated the world through age after age. They ran and they swam and they fought and they flew. Until suddenly, quite recently, they disappeared. Nature just gave up and started again. We weren't even apes then. We were just these smart little rodents hiding in the rocks. And when we go, nature will start again with the bees, probably. Bees? <laughs> That's why I got that one. Uh, probably with the bees. Right? Probably the bees. That makes sense. I also like that we know that he's smart mm-hmm. because he's British. <laughs> That's true. Yep. It all sounds so feasible coming from... His mouth. It, it does. <laughs> I want to see a sequel where the bees actually do inherit the earth. <laughs> it all comes full circle. <laughs> and then there's like some impending bee holocaust. And they find reference to this whole situation. <laughs> yeah, it's entirely dissimilar from the end of the Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> War Games is just the prequel. Exactly. To a much more Six interesting bonus. <laughs> But yeah, what a what a depressing guy. I know, I know. I it just it, it it's amazing to me how dark he, yeah. he is, and it, thank goodness for Matthew Broderick and Ellie Sheedy because they just turn him right around. And yeah, him hope very quickly, again. very quickly. And the turn in his character happens off screen. Like mm-hmm. they're talking with him, and he's like, "Nope, you just should go now, right?" Or they can stay until the morning, right? And mm-hmm. they decide they don't need to stay until the morning. And then later, he just comes to the helicopter. Is like, oh. No, okay, I changed my mind. Like, what What changed? I guess maybe there was an inspirational speech in there somewhere that maybe he thought about for a little while. Yeah, maybe he was like, just creepily watching them on the beach. And... Oh, watching them make out? Yeah. <laughs> that's why maybe she that's needed to thing. be there. That's why Alex, she needed to be there. How? There are so many deleted scenes right at that juncture in the movie, I feel. Like, how did this guy, this guy in the green jumpsuit start driving this golf cart around? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But yeah, it was like right between that scene and the next scene. The very next scene is them like with the golf cart and like Mm -hmm. no explanation. So there's something there. Oh, the guy had the passwords written down on his desk. It's like, aw, I remember that. 
But yeah, I guess in this movie there's, well, it's kind of before the advent of like much computer security, I guess. So mm-hmm. you can get in and do basically whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I was gonna say. I mean, no one, no one was being like, no, 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 you didn't use any uh, uppercase characters, and there's no numbers or symbols in here. Pencil, <laughs> pencil's not secure enough, guys. He didn't even have a password. He just typed Joshua, and he got logged in. He didn't have a username and a password. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty big loophole, you know, yeah. backdoor. Yeah. The back door was about as and, big as that metal door that yeah. was swinging shut. <laughs> That's a fair point. And he was still able to, like, execute commands from the login screen. That's what I thought was interesting, too, like, list games. I'm like, you haven't logged in yet. Exactly. How can you list games? Uh, well, it's just an old system that's set up in bizarre ways that don't make sense to us in the future. But Yeah, and I'm old enough and was, again, nerdy enough that I have used, like, BBSs, you know, in the late 80s and uh, <laughs> dialed into a neighboring town and had to call long distance over a modem, 2400 baud, and, like, you know, use the interface through, like, text menus. Uh, and, and that just seemed, like, infinitely more sophisticated than, you know, what they showed in the movie. But I guess so few people were familiar with the technology that it seemed like, oh, maybe that's how this is modems yeah, actually yeah. Yeah. work. Um, I did find it interesting how much computer equipment he seemed to have. Um, yeah. Especially for how oblivious his parents seemed to be. Because it wasn't just a computer. Like, you could be like, okay. But in 1983, you know, how many people had the money to have a computer? And he had what would be a really early modem. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> you know, whatever, yeah. something that the phone, like, clicked into. You know, so with your rotary, mm-hmm. rotary dialing. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, just several different pieces, you know, that he had. I mean, I'm sure it was together. thousands upon thousands of dollars. In that era. 1983 dollars. Yeah. yeah. Going towards all that equipment. And like they, everything they, they think still of. had money to afford tab. <laughs> That's true. Was tab a more expensive beverage? I don't know, but it's tab. It's pink. Exclamation right. point. Um, <laughs> if you were wondering what year this movie was made in. <laughs> exactly. They instantly date themselves with, with, with tab. tab cans. Although it is still sold. Because my sister Jody loves it. Loves herself some tab. Where? Where do you I get it? I have no idea. It's probably it one special? of those things you can buy at like Fleet Farm or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wonder if, if somebody makes a generic version called, like, Caps Lock. <laughs> Back, backslash. Backslash soda. <laughs> Print screen. <laughs> um, I do have a nerdy comment to throw in that my dad made about this movie. Mm-hmm. This was I've, many years ago. I remember him saying this. That he, he commented that seeing this movie for the first time, it was, it was the first time that he could recall a scenario where kids knew more about technology than adults, which I feel like is a pretty common theme now. Oh, yeah. yeah. But at the time, that having this idea, and I felt like that was kind of um, highlighted, if you want to say, uh, at the very, very end, like when, oh my gosh, crisis is averted, the machine figured out through tic-tac-toe that we're all going to blow each mm-hmm. other, yeah. blow ourselves up, so don't do it, that the the scientist guy, McKittridge, like ruffles Matthew Broderick's hair, and Matthew Broderick waits and ruffles his hair back. It was like, <laughs> listen, old man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> exactly. For the let's last see, 90 minutes. Let's see who's who here. It's, um, it's yeah. still awkward and uncomfortable touching both times. <laughs> As my hair is being tousled at this very moment. <laughs> and I'm tousling hair back. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you that it's odd. But yeah, it was just, it just seemed kind of, I don't know, really trying to underscore this little punk kid and really highlighting that. You mm-hmm. know, he's wearing like, he's sloppily dressed. 
he's always wearing like jeans and like an ill-fitting t-shirt and you know a hoodie which like i think every one of us in this room is wearing a hoodie oh, right yeah. now yep. so score just like him yeah <laughs> um so we have that going for us but <laughs> we can stop world war three um but but i just you know kind of putting that in there that prior to that you know the the adults really would have been running the show and kids wouldn't wouldn't have yeah, had I mean, any more ideas or... good to know that because it's hard for us to have the context like oh i don't remember that movies mm-hmm. before 1983 weren't like that you really have have to live through that time period to yeah see that i'm, so. I'm reminded of uh jurassic park oh yeah Unix. i know this yes yeah, I mean, I guess uh, just a couple of things that, that we were kind of just mm-hmm. rambling about when we were recapping the movie with amongst ourselves. Um, that the, the main computer called the Whopper, um, which I can no longer remember what that stands for. World Organizational Power. <laughs> What's the movie starts with R? Radical. Um, Radical. But, yeah, so <laughs> Dude. The, the Whopper computer, which is, you know, roughly the size of, I don't know, a refrigerator laying on its side. Yes, uh, yes. Is 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 covered in LEDs that, that flicker and flash and make little weird patterns and and beep boop beep boop 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 sounds. Oh. So you know it's working. Yeah, and there's a scene. So this is before the higher ups actually know that the simulation is being run, mm. where there's a woman going around the outside of the computer with a note or with a clipboard. Uh, a clipboard. Yes. Writing down notes about all the LEDs that she's looking at, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that she doesn't notice is the actual LED screen with words on it that says that there's a countdown to like a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> like that's the only thing she doesn't look at. She's like, "Oh, this light's on. Hmm. Oh, this LED's off. Hmm. <laughs> Don't know about that. Let's not actually read Read, read, or read am the, I the wrong? Was that screen somewhere screen. else? No, I, think I, it was I on saw the... it because they would show it up close, <clears throat> you know, countdown to launch. No, there's just know. the one sweaty, overweight scientist. You know, we don't want to listen to him. The sweaty, overweight scientist runs and is like, wait, it's a simulation. We don't know what happened the very first time that Matthew Broderick mm-hmm. phones in. And uh, I also want to point out that it took me the duration of the movie to figure out where I'd seen that guy before. Yeah. And he was the laundry guy in Annie. So you're welcome. <laughs> okay. You're welcome for that. <laughs> Not sure I would have picked that up, but that sweaty guy. I do have. I do Ooh. have a clip from him. Fantastic. Let's hear from sweaty guy. These computers give us instant access to the state of the world: troop movements, Soviet missile tests, shifting weather patterns. It all flows into this room and then into what we call the Whopper computer. Whopper. What is that? It's a war operation plan response. This is uh, Mr. Richter. Paul, would you like to tell these gentlemen about the Whopper? <clears throat> well. The Whopper spends all its time thinking about World War III. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, it plays an endless series of war games using all available information on the state of the world. Uh, I picked up that one specifically because it has the titular line, war games. Oh, good. (laughs) Set aside, like, he pauses, like, right before he says it. It's like, war games. I'm like, oh... I get what you're laying he down. He said the name of the third. <laughs> was that in the trailer? <laughs> Probably. I, I bet you it was, actually. <laughs> There's a, a Minutemen song from the mid to late 80s called Paranoia Chant. That, like, the opening lyric is, I try to talk to girls and I keep thinking about World War Three. I keep thinking about World War Three. It comes up uh, a few times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't realize that until now that this thing spends all its time thinking about World War Three. It's... Totally oh, weird aside. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Whopper was really trying to talk to, to girls. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Another reason Ali Sheedy was in the movie. Oh, that's true. <laughs> would have been back. something if she was the only one who could tame the computer. 
There were other two other just kind of bizarre moments, like we've been pointing out the the mm-hmm. strange sign outside of the the missile silo or wherever they were and that kind of stuff. Um, I want to point out that that NORAD, this massively secure facility with the with the giant door, um, it gives tours to general chunks oh, of the yeah. public on a regular basis. I forgot about that. They're just yep. walking right through the middle. Like I could see <laughs> you maybe being like the outer outer parts, whatever. But we're talking like in the central command. Mm-hmm where all the computers are just available there and you could just go and like hit keys or like just pour coffee on it or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, there was, there's just readily available. Or climb through the air duct under the stairs. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that was no like problem. One of the people was, didn't he say like councilwoman or something? Like, I think one of them was like a local councilwoman mm-hmm. from the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was just easy enough for Matthew Broderick to quick join a tour group, you know, get on a bus. <laughs> I don't know where you guys are going, but I'm going with you. Uh-oh, we're at DEF CON 2 today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it, guys. See that portrait of Ronald Reagan over there? It's all under control. It's like visiting Yellowstone and having Smokey the Bear tell you that, oh, the fire risk is medium today. We're at FCON 3. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but I like it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Matthew Broderick, he's pretty good at hacking things. He, they locked him up in the infirmary. Yes. Which I guess that's the only place in the building that locks. I guess maybe to keep it's a giant military, you know, or, secure military facility, but that is where we're going to put him in a room with lots of stuff. Where he finds a what, like a hand like tape a recorder, yeah, like a dictaphone, mm-hmm. which has like a microphone on it, and he somehow hacks that into the control panel and figures out what the control panel's pin is. Yes, and then somehow reverse engineers that to open the door from the inside. I do want to point out that. This whole plot, like, I mean, we all could have died mm. if Matthew brought it, if they just had a lock, like a key lock on that door, <laughs> that he, he couldn't have gotten out of because it was, it was clearly they were overusing sophisticated, sophisticated technology that they didn't really understand the pitfalls of in right. multiple, multiple times, multiple locations throughout this movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Or maybe like a chair propped up against the door. <laughs> Might have done it too. Or, yeah. or a, a guard outside who wasn't hellbent on sexual harassment, <laughs> who wasn't groping a nurse. If, you know, if there had been a Male nurse, none of this would have happened. That's true. Yeah, it's but, it's interesting how much of uh, like old communications technology relied on actual audio tones, though. Yes, that's true. Yeah, so true. I mean, it wasn't completely yeah. like bizarre, but it, it was a little bit convenient. Yeah, it's it's true. But you had to get out of there somehow. So. Yeah. I mean, it was cool. You felt like, wow, this kid really knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knows his stuff. And I have to say, so I've seen this movie several times. I really have always liked this movie. And and going back and watching it again and now watching it more closely where I was actually kind of taking notes and, and parsing it for context, I, I was a little let down with the, the sheer number of plot holes where you're like, yeah, that probably wouldn't have happened. Right, right. But um, I also hadn't remembered how much time and effort he spent trying to get into this computer. I forgot oh, yeah. the, montage the montage at the beginning yeah. of how, like, you know, he finds out from his little nerdy IT guys who work in, I don't know, was it a library? Like, where was he? Um, They probably said on the outside, but I have yeah. no idea. I some, mean, some, some computer. Kind of, you know, some... They had, well, they had huge, like, um, <laughs> servers yeah. running there, so I don't know what yeah. that, that was exactly. But, I mean, clearly these are, like, the disenfranchised, underappreciated geniuses 
in sweatpants um, <laughs> that, that that can help him out. So he goes and he talks to these guys, and, and they basically, the takeaway is, you know, hey, kid, maybe you shouldn't be messing with this. It's most likely military. It's most likely encrypted. But, oh, my gosh, does he spend time just hacking away at it. And so you have this big, long montage right. of him finding out anything he can about Falcon, anything he can about his family, his research. He finds videos on it. He's looking at microfiche. I mean, he's using the card catalog. He's using all right. of his, all the things, The guys. old school library montage yes. that doesn't <laughs> He might not be doing well anymore. in school, but he's learned how to use the resources yeah, of the library. Is, he did yeah. master the Dewey Decimal System. An interesting part of his character is, yeah, he's clearly smart enough to pass any class, probably. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not just like, I'm interested in this or not interested in this, so mm-hmm. he fails. It's like, he just doesn't want to. He just doesn't want to put any effort. He's got what he's interested in his computers. That's yeah. the one thing that's actually allowed him <laughs> to not have to worry about the other classes, actually. Exactly. The scene where he goes to meet with the other mm-hmm. computer folks like i keep getting it mixed up in my head with another movie we watched not too long ago uh, cloak and dagger mm. oh i haven't seen that one oh. i shouldn't admit that on my oh. own podcast oh you can't edit that out that has to stay <laughs> in. um but you know there's a scene in that where the child protagonist goes into like a an electronic store and like game store to like get advice on something and uh it was a similar story sort of a uh, shtick to what happened there yeah. so 80s kid technology protagonist yeah. yeah i actually have a clip of that specifically let's go to that clip charlie let's go to that clip hey what's that i want a gym to see that Wow, where'd you get this? I was trying to break into ProtoVision. I wanted to see the program for their new games. Hey, wait, Tim, I'm not through yet. Remember you told me to tell you when you were acting rudely and insensitively? Remember that? You're doing it right now. Another thing that goes back to why I love this movie is, like, they didn't need to do that. Like, they could have just had the super nerdy guy, and he's just kind of annoying, and they just learned from him. But then they had the other nerdy guy who was criticizing the first nerdy guy and just had kind of a comedic interaction where they didn't necessarily need mm-hmm. to have one. So mm-hmm. I just thought that happened a lot in the movie. But yeah, that voice. Is that that guy's real voice? I think it is. Um, and uh, again, this just, something wrong with my brain. He, that guy was in Greece and he has the exact same nerdy voice. He's like oh, really? pretty much the exact same character. <laughs> yeah. Do you just have the ability to uh, know what actors were in any given musical <laughs> specifically? You know, I, I hadn't really pieced it together that both of the times I've said this, they were musicals, but apparently yes. <laughs> Something we'll be watching out for in future episodes. What other movies was he in? Like I, the nerdy guy. I immediately was like, oh, he must have been in Revenge of the Nerds, but I don't think he was. I don't think that there was somebody that was like just that like super outrageous voice. But I bet he got a lot of work in the eighties though. <laughs> right, because that's like the the classic eighties nerd right, like, right. archetype. I am I am currently googling. Um, oh my gosh, his name really is Eugene. Um, <laughs> One moment. Are are you ripping on the name Eugene? Is there, uh, it's got a fine, a fine cinematic history. lineage. My apologies. Oh, of course. His name is Eddie. Um, he's an American actor, a voice actor. Oh, I imagine. <clears throat> um, and a comedian, best known for his bit parts as nerd characters in seventies and eighties films such as Grease, Grease, Grease Two, Midnight Madness, nineteen forty one, and War Games. And oh, I want to okay, point yeah. out that I remember that he was in Greece live, like while we were sitting here listening to the clip. I went, I know this guy's voice. He was in Greece. So, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> Just going back to Eugene. Oh, Gene. Well, that's, that's, Gene is short for that. So like Gene Wilder. Or... Gene Wilder, that wasn't his name at all, though. He totally picked that name. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
I just learned this obviously with his with his recent recent passing. Oh yes, yes. Rest in peace, Gene Wilder. We love you. We do. There's also at least a couple of the movies we picked. I think there's also Eugene Levy. (laughs) (laughs) For for different something different. Yes, yes. yes, Eugene Levy, our our favorite in every every bad movie you could possibly imagine. Many. Good movies, mm-hmm. but just done a lot of horror, very, very horror dis- movies. Very distinct voice. That's true. Yeah, he's kind of a nerdy sort of older fellow, although he was young at one point. So. Best in Show was my favorite performance of his. Yes. 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 The two, two left feet. Yes. Uh, the, the aforementioned geek that we were talking about from mm-hmm. the film... Uh, as a voice actor, he's uh, easily recognizable for his distinctively high-pitched and nasal voice uh, and has been used in characters um, in the Cartoon Network series, uh, Dexter's Laboratory. Um, oh, Snipes yeah. the Magpie in Rockadoodle, which I've never heard of. Mm-mm. Ned in Kim Possible. You've never Kim heard of Rockadoodle? Sorry, I haven't. <laughs> You're not going to get much traction with that one, Adam. I'm going to start my well own podcast. <laughs> and we're going to watch Cloak and Dagger. And we're going to watch Rock-a-doodle. Rockadoodle. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can make fun of people for not watching those <laughs> movies. Good luck to you. Godspeed. I have seen Rockadoodle, though, so you won't get me with that one. So, so what happened at the end? What happens at the end is you have you have the computer that says, you know, I'm not quitting playing the game. I, I see that you guys have realized that the Soviet Union's not really attacking mm-hmm. you, but I'm going to find the missile code, and I'm going to launch the missiles myself. And it has 10 alphanumeric characters. Oh, and so right. it is so chugging away, that, yeah. chugging away, trying to do that. But while that's happening, at the exact same time, Matthew Broderick has it playing tic-tac-toe against itself so it can learn about the concept of, you know, it's a cat's game. You can't win. Which is the best line, the most memorable line of the movie, is when the computer figures it out and <laughs> says, interesting game, the only winning move is not to play. <laughs> do you have a clip, yeah, I Charlie? Do, I, I want to hear it. It's better. I don't have a good computery voice. Hello. Joshua? James game, the only winning move is not to play. How about a nice game of chess? That's something else. That line I was familiar with from various mm-hmm. pop culture references. So yeah, I guess that's another thing that we should talk about. Like, what do you feel like now you gain from watching that movie? Like, that pop culture reference is a good thing. I feel that's what a lot of this is going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, context to have conversations that we should have been having for so long that we couldn't because you hadn't You've seen just felt, this movie. You know, it's like the beginning of every infomercial where we could show you, like, at a party... Feeling sad and like out of the loop while everybody's making war games references. And see, now you can join in. See, the thing is, like, I feel like I could have faked it just from the pop culture knowledge. And I'm pretty sure I have, you know. I'm not going to make a joke about faking it. (laughs) It's there. Thank you for not picking it up. We appreciate your restraint. Keep it clean. You know... I think the prior pop culture knowledge I had of this movie wasn't particularly, like, too fleshed out by seeing the rest of the movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, fine then. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it and all, but, you know. You think the movie pretty much is contained within the words we just played, more or less? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think I think that the synopsis kind of uh, Matthew Broderick accidentally... Almost starting World War Three and then figuring it out in the computer, figuring out the Stanley. I mean, that's pretty much the crux of it, you know? But uh, it's the journey. It is though. the journey. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it a good movie, I think. Yeah, no, It's I, all I, the little things in between that enjoy- really mm-hmm. pulled it together. And the plot, I mean, the plot's mm-hmm. good too, but... I mean, I enjoyed it, you know. I, I'd watch it again. I have a uh, thought-provoking question here. So we open yeah. with this idea that humans are... are 
clearly problematic because yeah. they, they they will question things and and so you know twenty percent what they're yeah, supposed to what do. they're supposed to do. And then the solution to this crisis, you know, the climax of the movie, the solution is the computer needs to learn okay. to choose not to do something. So we need the computer to be more like a human. <laughs> and so it cycles around. So does this continue where now the computer is running the show? We're advanced, you know, a few decades down the right. line. And we have, you know, where it's supposed to be launching missiles. The computer's like, I don't know. <laughs> I want to get this guy on the phone. And you just you just cycled all the way back around. <laughs> we need to get this computer out of here and... Exactly. Get a human being we can coerce into doing this for us. Exactly. But yeah, An inverse you, war game. We just sort of, we yeah. just cycled cycled right around. Was <laughs> any thoughts on that? I, I want to see that the yeah. sequel to War Games, reverse yeah. War Games. I think that there's a a movie called War Games Two, and I feel like that we should wait. What check that out? But I don't think it's at all affiliated with the actual war game. So don't quote me on this. Pull it up on IMDb. And uh, how could you call something War Games Two and not be affiliate? Or well, it's probably and affiliated. it's a new. It's like a more recent thing. Like it is it like a troll versus troll two sort of thing? Possibly. Okay. It, do you see it anywhere? Or War Games? It came up when we were War Games: The Dead Code. That's that's what I'm thinking. There's is this a remake of War Games from 2011? There's like okay. No. There's. War Games without a space, 1983. War Space Games from 2011. Okay, I want to. Which is probably out. not Seven Friends. Okay, no. No. What's the Dead Code one? Because the dead I think code. that's what I might have been thinking. Of. Oh yeah, United States Department of Homeland Security is led to believe that an American teen hacker played a terrorist attack simulator game online is a real terrorist out to destroy the U.S. When did this? When it was, was this written movie? by the IMPP editor. Oh. Oh, 2008. So yeah. Where was I in 2008? And Probably it's got two doing better things. Two teens running away from an explosion on the front. So I think, yeah. That that leads me to believe they weren't as successful the second time around as they were in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So the, the cover has them running away from an explosion, but the actual scene that is taken from, from the movie has them running away from like a, a sprinkler. Car. <laughs> <laughs> or a car. <laughs> Some editing after the fact, I think, but it is war games, no space. So it's yeah, it's the same property. Yeah, it's kind of like when Blockbuster would put out like the similar movie to like <laughs> you know the Blockbuster movie <laughs> instead of Iron Man, it's Steel Man. Steel Man. <laughs> war games was it the Dead Code? Maybe yes, it was that. like the 2000 switch, and they didn't have enough digits. <laughs> <laughs> For the year, <laughs> so so it causes all kinds of problems. <laughs> oh, I also wrote down. This is like one of the first times I can remember like a cool nerd. That's a little, kind of the beginning of that trope. A cool nerd that like this girl is really into. And another movie would have just easily said like, oh, he's a super nerd and this girl doesn't like him, but reluctantly falls in love with him because she realizes he's a decent guy. But no, immediately he's it's like, it's because he I'm took cool. off his glasses and he was hot. <laughs> Trying to think of other grades. other movies buy you with a ticket to Paris. Uh, Real Genius. Oh, I've never. Well, um, what? It, what was that, Charlie? Uh, that yeah, that that's a movie that exists for sure. With Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer is in it, and he's, cool his nerd. hair is like really frizzy on yeah. the cover. Of and it. and wh what about seeing that? Uh, that's a movie where Val Kilmer is like turns into a genius because he gets electrocuted and then um, makes a lot of money. And the stock market, and then... In the, um, the stock market. 
yeah, on the next episode. <laughs> Charlie will watch a film and find out how untrue his synopsis from this episode really is. There'll be absolutely no follow-up to that whatsoever. Point, <laughs> Remind Charlie to cut this. <laughs> I think the last thing I had was that I... So I went through IMDb. So it's interesting. Usually when I go on IMDb, I'll look at usually bad movies and like look at the goofs and look at the facts and stuff for it. But since this is actually a reasonably good movie, there's just so much stuff on there. And it's mm. just like all minuscule nonsense. Like I started reading through all of the different goofs mm-hmm. and like 90% of them had to do with the video game Galaga. I was going to actually say that, that I was sure it was going to be Galaga related. Yeah, like all of them. It's like, mm-hmm. well, he couldn't have had the two ships this early in the game or like, well, if you like go None between these, these two screens, the score is different or yeah, that's not the sound that would have happened at that exact time. But I know I, I love Galaga. <laughs> I love Galaga. Galaga's a great game. <laughs> so I feel bad nothing, making fun of it. Yeah. There's like so many different things that people are like, Okay. Yeah. Now, I it's not that you noticed. It's that you noticed and then went on IMDb and thought everyone else should notice too, all of those little things. And as I said, none of these people are having sex. Yeah, that's true. Of course. And then I thought about that too. And I'm like, I'm like a gigantic nerd too. <laughs> Here we are having a movie podcast. You, 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 and I'm making fun of people for their love your, of Galaga. You owe your wife like a dinner out or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more than one. I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess, Allie, what were your thoughts on it? Do you feel like uh, Re- rewatching was a positive experience for you? Rewatching really opened my eyes, uh, made me remember things I never knew. Um. <laughs> <laughs> remember things you never knew. I like it. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> But yeah, it was a it was a fun movie. Um, I'm always entertained by the idea that humans create technology, which then again creates more problems for themselves. Um, that's a mm-hmm. it's a nice theme. Very and relevant. I think that's a theme that we're really comfortable with now in today. But maybe this was kind of a first yeah, instance exactly. of that yeah. as well. I, I feel like choosing to use like when Windows 8 came out and everybody was like sweet it's Windows 8 and you're like oh god it's awful and where's the start button (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. I feel like this was not dissimilar from that you have this one instance where you run this one test and you know clearly the humans the humans screwed up so we've got to go with a computer that hasn't really been tested a lot but let's use it like mm-hmm. right now. And it's I love that it's underscored in the in the original bunker where the movie opens, uh, where the guys are sitting, that when you, they're switching to computers, you know that they're doing so because they take the chairs out that the guys <laughs> sat in at the consoles. Like turn the keys, they're like, don't need these anymore. <laughs> no one will ever have to sit down to service this thing or anything like that. We're taking these out. It's computer run now. Well, yeah. Thanks a lot. I mean, I enjoyed watching this movie again. I enjoyed, I think the first time I might have seen it would have been not that long ago, maybe just like 10 years ago or so. I loved it then. I love it now. I am uh, not embarrassed to say (laughs) I saw it in 2016. Okay. So. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Not for the first time. Oh. Like my fifth viewing. I'm saying I just saw it recently. Yes. Because it turns out I like it enough that I I do rewatch. I mean, that is my DVD sitting there. Okay. So yeah, Adam, thanks very much for stopping by, and uh, thanks, thanks for watching the movie. And Thanks for having me, and despite some of my hesitation, I did enjoy the movie a lot. I think it's solid, uh, solid fun. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. Ali Sheedy was in like complete 80s workout wear there. 
doing some stretches. Yeah. Matthew yeah. Broderick is shirtless at least a couple of times. Yeah. Why Why even get past the first 20 minutes of the movie? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like there were some serious benefits outside of the pop culture references. <laughs> and Allie, thank you very much for stopping by, too. You're welcome. What a great idea for a podcast. Indeed. Yes, thank you both, uh, Adam and Allie, for being here. And uh, now that you've participated in this, we can just, you know, we respect you that much more. So thank you. Thank you. It's real fun. <laughs> I'll respect you more once you see Rocketoodle. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that wraps it up. Thanks so much for joining us. We had a great time. And be sure to catch the next episode where we're uh, going to discuss another pop culture gem. Hope you really enjoyed it. Yes, and make sure to check us out on the social media trifecta of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. No Pinterest, though. That place sucks. You guys could also re-record it if you wanted to later. This is totally that's true. That's true. We can actually re-record anything. That's the other thing, right. too. If we think you say something stupid, we'll just, like, oh. cut. I'll do yeah. my best, Adam. You could, <laughs> I'd really appreciate it if you edited everything I said to sound, like, very, like, insightful. Yes. Well, I'll do that. <laughs> can I just read through the dictionary to get all the words out? And then you can just, like, rearrange it into but something that sounds But you have to do them with different yeah. Yeah. intonations yeah. and inflections. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Uh. As a question. Aardvark? <laughs> <laughs> Which just makes me think of the Cards Against Humanity card where it's like, bees? <laughs> <laughs>